Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of an unexpected podcast. This is the first episode in 2022. And joining me today is Evan from Boston and Rainier from South Korea. And my name is Mick, and I'm in the sunny or rather really gray London in the UK. So today we're going to cover uh, one, uh, one list, just like we always do. Uh, then we're going to go into an interesting discussion um, on veto system, which is something that apparently the Australians use in, in some of their tournaments. And um, that this, this is inspired by the fact that there's been a poll uh, a few days ago on the uh, Middle Earth competitive page on Facebook where people voted um, on whether they would like to implement veto systems in tournaments. Uh, so let's just get in first into uh, the list. Um, this is an Isengard list. So over the last few episodes, we've been covering um, Rohan. So we thought it would make sense to talk about Isengard as the enemy of Rohan. So um, we have a 1,000-point uh, list from Stephen Brown, uh, who uh, posted on, on, on our YouTube comment section. Uh, he is saying he has a uh, 1K tournament coming up in New Zealand, wanted some help in Isengard list. Uh, probably going to be rolling on the six different charts and a much playbook for scenarios. And he wants to stay away from siege weapons as a personal choice. So he goes with a regular Saruman-led army. Uh, so in the first warband, he has Saruman on horse. That's the leader of the army. Then he's got Grima. Four Urukai warriors with crossbows. Four warriors with shields. Six warriors with pikes. One warrior with a shield and a banner. The second warband is Thrydan, leading six Dunland horsemen. The third warband is Gorulf, leading four warriors with crossbows, two warriors with shields, four warriors with pikes. Then warband four is Vrasku, leading four warriors with crossbows, two warriors with shields, and four warriors with pikes. And warband five is the Wildman Oathmaker, leading eight Wildmen. In total, he's got 54 models, um, and there are 12 crossbows plus Frasco here. So just a, a, an interesting thing to note from the start, um, the way that uh, Warbands 3 and 4 are, uh, are built, it looks like uh, he's going to be going for two warriors with shields at the front, and then two pikes behind, and two pikes behind again. So... Yeah, it looks like a like a like a pretty solid, interesting list to start with. So, uh, I'll pass it on to you guys first to see to see what you got, uh, what you think. Um, what about I, you, Rainier? I th I think it's really interesting. Like I do, I do see that it's kind of those warband three and four. You get that kind of diversity of warrior choice. I guess I always like to do suppressing fire with the corsairs, spread out the the crossbows in a list to give it more mobility. I can see someone arguing against it with Isengard just because Vrasku has heroic accuracy and like he won a lot of crossbows in his warband for that. So I think like right off the bat, it is it has the makeup to be a solid list. I would change up a few things. One of them would be the horsemen. I think I would spread them for 12 points. It's really cheap for the gentleman horsemen. I don't think you need six in one warband because it's very easy to isolate being like, okay, that's the warband with the cavalry. That's where all the chargers are going to get. I just have to isolate that part of the field. Um, so I would probably spread them out a little bit, throw them 
one or two in each warband and also add creep bane i think creep bane are so good especially for a list like this because they can go jump and get objectives i'm realizing now that a strong list but no one has rogue march that's another weakness you might come up against uh Vrasku um, does oh does he yeah Rasku does. That's why we have Evan. Evan, we pay him so he can just correct all the things we say incorrect. Oh, I wish I was paid. Yeah, because you'd make a ton. <laughs> are, you, are you not? I, okay. I, I, well, wait, wait, wait. I thought. I thought. Or are they funneling all the money all to you, Mick? Mick? Yeah. No? Wait, you're getting paid, Mick? <laughs> yeah, Devin gives you like two quid. Like, yeah. Like yeah, he gives me, he gives me like one ninety nine just so I can I can buy a. One of those old blister blister packs, once every three he, months or so. He just, he just gives me one of those like uh, frog chocolates once a Christmas. So I just. Uh, yeah. I think we need to start a revolution here, Rainier. Got to fight for better pay. I think we do, but the revolutions here in South Korea aren't that um, peaceful. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be kind of hard to organize when we're like all across the world. We'll figure something exactly. out. Yeah, we should call ourselves something fancy. But anyways, yeah, the, I, the, the, the Illuminati I, call it call it something like that. We can wear those yeah. masks. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I I do like the diversity of your heroes a lot. I think the Oathmaker is amazing for his points. I love Groff as like a big power punch. I do like Thryden as well. Rasku, I'm a big fan of Rasku and Saruman. But yeah, the one thing is like diversify the horses and the warbands, add some Crebane. Because even if you do have just one march at a thousand points, especially with some of these objective games, you're gonna want to throw Crebane all over the place. And even to like like I like like stop a hero from doing so much. Yeah, that's my only. I guess thing is consider putting more crossbows in Frasco's warband, spread the horses and get some Crevain. Yeah. So um, I definitely agree with uh, all of what Rainier is saying. I'd say the first thing that stands out to me um, that Rainier maybe didn't discuss or either that, or I missed it um, is Thryden is listed here as not having a horse. I don't know if that was a, um, typo and they just never bothered to mention it but uh if he doesn't have a horse then definitely get him a horse it seems like you want him to be the leader of your cavalry warband so uh, if you don't have a horse get him that um uh other than that let's see here uh i think your bow limit isn't maxed out um which I think is something you may want to consider. Obviously, with Isengard, you have the whole shield, pike, crossbow problem where you can't take uh, multiple on one model. So obviously, you don't have to max out your bow limit, but crossbows are so strong that I would strongly consider it. Um, and this is more of a personal preference thing, but I honestly really don't like the Oathmaker. Um, and I know there's going to be some contention on that because Rainier, you said you really like the Oathmaker. Um, but the Oathmaker, in my mind, um, does multi does two things and only two things. Um, number one, he provides auto pass courage for your eight wildmen, uh, which is okay, but you can also accomplish that with a shaman. 
Uh, but he also provides uh, three might, and that's sort of it. Um, personally, I would almost be tempted to drop the Wildman and the Wildman Oathmaker and take like a shaman and just uh, more warriors. Because uh, you're not really having problems with might. You've got 12 and then 15 with the Oathmaker down to 13 without it. And I don't think that's a huge drop. Um, also, Wildman suck. Uh, I don't think that's, uh, that's a controversial thing to say. Uh, defense three is absolutely horrible. And sure, they're going to auto-pass Courage Test, but they're going to auto-pass Courage Test, charge into the terrifying stuff, and then die. Um, so I think in that respect, maybe getting more Urukai Warriors and then a Shaman if you really want to pass those Courage Tests. Or, alternatively, just fill out all your Warbands, take a bunch of Berserkers, and then you've got your auto-pass Courage stuff right there. So I'd personally say drop the Oathmaker. I think one thing though, Evan, because I do see your, your points, I think it's the cost of them because one, one berserker is three wild men. One, one, uh, what is it? Warrior with shield is two. So I think he's trying to get his numbers up. If that makes sense. Um, even just switching them for the shot. I mean, how many, the, the warriors you have how many low. open war band slots are there? Um, they're actually quite a few as far as i can tell Gorolf and varasku have 10 models each in the warband thryden has six of 12 and saruman has so one nice. open slot uh never mind uh, saruman doesn't have any open so slots. like getting rid of the oathmaker warband full and just like max yeah because you've mm -hmm. you've 10 slots to fit in so drop the oathmaker and eight wildmen wildmen are what five points each so you get is the Oathmaker 55 or 60? Yeah, so you get 95 points for... Yeah, 95 or 100. And then you can fit in uh, like six Berserkers, six, six Berserkers, and then like, you know, a random Orc Warrior or something. And then you drop down to 52 models, but you get a lot more punch with the Berserkers. You've got your Auto Pass Courage stuff. They can actually do damage because wildmen aren't going to do any damage, but your berserkers definitely are. Um, I think that's definitely something to consider. Obviously, if you really like the Oathmaker and the Wildman, take the Oathmaker and the Wildman. But uh, personally, I wouldn't make that choice. I would take the Oathmaker and I would um, project him to have an electric guitar instead of the knife. And he just looks like a rock and roll. And then you can like have all of the wild men, of course, give them axes, but also just make them ready. Mm. I'm sleep deprived, guys. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think I agree with most things which both of you have said. I mean, um, I, I I personally uh, also uh, wouldn't necessarily be taking the Oathmaker here. Um, I and also. The six Dunlon horsemen, they can they can easily go into the other warbands. So um, I would go with like two into Saruman's warband, one into Gorulfs, one into uh, Vraskus, keep two in Thrydon, then maybe move some other models into Thrydon just to have it more balanced too. And obviously give him a horse. Um, 
I like the idea of, of filling up on more crossbows too, because uh, I think you can have like six more, I believe. Um, so that's something I definitely consider. Yeah, but it, it, it is a good list, I think. Yeah. Like a shout out to like how you form your warbands with like the shield, the crossbows and the pikes. Like it's a good composition of like each warband being its own punch, um, having shooting and support and like di a different punch in combat. I'm also way curious about tournaments in New Zealand in general. If you could comment, if you're watching this episode and let us know what that's like. I, I think Zorba Zorp, he said in a, in a, in a recent video that he's actually going to move to New Zealand. So I wonder what the scene is and what it will look like down there, both on the North and South Island. Yeah. But yeah, that's what we got, right? Yep. Well, good luck with your tournament. Hopefully, hopefully you do well. So we'll be moving into our next uh, topic. Uh, so if you are a member of the uh, ME SPG Competitive Players Forum on Facebook, then you, you may have seen on the 24th of December, um, George Downing created a poll where he asked um, about using veto systems for picking scenarios at tournaments. Um, that was inspired uh, most likely by the recent uh, article on Against All Odds blog, um, where uh, the author, uh, Ben, I believe it is, uh, talked about um, vanquishers and how, how they could be fixed. Because um, a, a, a lot of people think that vanquishers are an army that requires fixing because they are so powerful in certain scenarios and not so powerful in, in some other ones. So in a way, it creates a negative play experience for, for opponents where you get to play uh, against them in certain scenarios. So you go, okay, well, I've pretty much lost before the game has, uh, has started. And therefore, we might as well just go and uh, get ourselves a drink. Or you get into a position where um, the game itself isn't very enjoyable because it's it's essentially just a a situation where you're just throwing models into combat and hoping that the vanquishers are going to roll badly. So, uh, there are is it like a question in the meta overbalance, basically? So again, overbalance. So basically, um, love all the new legendary legions, but like some armies just win certain scenarios. Some yeah. armies just use certain scenarios. So is it more of the veto system came up as a question? organic question of like should we rebalance or rethink about rebalancing things um, yeah yeah i think so and and also it's it's a system which apparently has been used in uh in australia uh, uh in the past in, in some tournaments and obviously there are some really good players out there in um in australia so it would be interesting to see what they actually think about 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 this and whether they prefer it over using just a normal system so um, I'll share the results of the poll. So it looks like I personally voted for, for uh, either doing the veto system or doing it, but not at every event. So uh, because because I think um, having the choice is a, is a, is, a, is, a, is a good idea. So um, uh, out of out. Out of all the all the pe people who voted, uh, forty-two votes went for having veto systems with current pools, then thirty-three for having no veto at all, and then it varied um, 
for having veto at some events, having veto with random scenarios, uh, reorganized pools, or as Jasmine, for example, pointed out, uh, using the same system uh, that we've always used, but change the seize the prize scenario to having three prizes. So I suppose I'll ask the question of, of uh, to, to both of you guys, what do you think about a situation where you, uh, where, where in every round, let's say the TO selects three scenarios, uh, whether, whether it's a pool or just three randoms, and then tells the players at every table, okay, one of you gets to pick which one you don't want to play, then the other one gets to pick which one you don't want to play, and then you play a third one. So essentially, across across a round, there might be like 20 games, but each game plays a different of the three scenarios. What are your thoughts on that? Evan, you should go first, because I'm kind of new to the discussion. Okay. To, um, this is the first time I've heard this, to be honest. So Y'all sent me the link, and I was like, what? But also interesting. Oh, Aussie's down under coming with good ideas. But you uh, go first. Evan. Yeah, I think this is an imperfect solution to a problem that should not exist. Um, basically, the veto system is put in place so you don't have to play all of the trash scenarios that exist in the book. And I'm not saying all of the scenarios are trash. But I'm saying that um, sometimes you will play scenarios where you don't have a chance to win. And I personally don't believe that should happen. And I think probably we've talked about this before in previous episodes, but those scenarios probably um, should be de-extremified, I guess, to say. Um so stuff like Contest of Champions, Seize the Prize, which was obviously mentioned there. Stuff like that, which is just won so quickly and so easily by some armies and just completely lost by other armies. Um, that sort of disrupts the whole balance of the game and causes those unfun situations. And I think it's a shame that measures aren't taken by the rules writers um, to change those scenarios. Though I do know that uh, that's how they like the scenarios to be. So um, I think then if we're just going under the assumption that the scenarios cannot be changed, um, I think the veto system solves some problems and opens up some other problems. Obviously, as you guys have mentioned, it means that you can always just uh, veto Contest of Champions, veto Seize the Prize, veto uh, Lords of Battle if you've got a Horde army, something like that. And um, in that sense, it will balance out the game. It will also mean that some scenarios are never played at tournaments and some scenarios are played a lot at tournaments. So something like your domination, your to the death, something like that, the more balanced scenarios that uh, multiple armies have good chances in uh, will be played a lot and stuff like, Lords of Battle and Contest of Champions and everything I've mentioned will be played almost never because they're extremely unbalanced and usually favor one side. On the flip side, and I think Devin mentioned this in a past uh, podcast episode, this can actually disproportionately assist armies like Goblin Town, whose only real bad matchup is Lords of Battle and they're great at everything else. So Goblin Town goes, okay, 
I'm going to eliminate Lords of Battle every single time. And, uh, oh, great. Now Goblin Town is always in a good matchup and they're dominating even more than they already are. So I'd say uh, the veto system is, I guess, almost a double-edged sword in that sense. Do I think it's better than the system we have now? Uh, possibly, I'd say. I think the whole random system just creates so many unfun scenarios uh, that even if it makes some lists disproportionately strong like Goblin Town, the veto system will just improve the overall gameplay experience. So I'd say that over nothing, I think, I think it's a decent change. Yeah, I'm probably going to pair a lot of what you say, to be honest. But the the one thing that popped up when I was reading this was, okay, there are, more, there are people outside of America that see that. The current... There are people outside yeah. of America I was right about here. to say, I thought that was going to be <laughs> whoa, the end whoa, of your sentence. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm, so, I'm not being ethnocentric. <laughs> no, because we discuss as Americans. In fact, American, in fact like, you're outside of America right now. That's you want you one of the people. There, there may be very I'm few start, people. I'm out there, but... group. I just go to like a PC bongs, and I just like go to these big like PC gaming places. And like, have you heard of the religion of SVG? I just try to convert as many people as possible. No one has come to my side, but I'm still trying, guys. I'm still trying. So no, but um, Americans. I feel like we discuss the the problem with the scenarios all the time. You know this, Evan. You talk about it. I talk about it. Dev talks about it. Your dad talks about it. There are so many holes to where, like, at least I feel more so with Devin that everything can be fixed if you just tweak a couple of the scenarios, make people fight closer in some of them, make there be less of a chance in other ones, and balance it out a team bit. Because I'll use an example from, I think it was two years ago, Articon. Round one, I was there there when it was drawn heirlooms of ages past was drawn randomly for the first one and like 200 people gasped and were like uh because they knew that like yeah that a should lot not of your, be like, the reaction to a scenario there exactly. shouldn't be that much it was hatred. like a chorus of internationalism of everyone going uh, uh. because everyone knew they like prepared so long and trained and like the first game there was going to be like a lot of it was just chance so I don't like that in scenarios, and I don't like that as a competitive player, especially with all, all the new Legendary Legions being so thematic. I love them. I'm not complaining about Legendary Legions, but they're they're like strong on one side and really weak on the other. And with the scenarios, it's literally you come to events and you're like, depending on the draw, I'm going to win or lose when it comes to scenarios. I don't like that aspect of it. So for me, the veto system, I just heard about it recently. I think it does fix stuff, but just like Evan, it does back to imbalance it as well. And Goblin Town, just like Evan, popped up into my mind because it's like, oh, the one scenario that Goblin Town's afraid of in any of the pools, and it's just one pool really, they can just veto it. So you can have like these huge horde armies that are going to do really, really well. So that'd be my only thing, but I do think... I like the idea. I mean, if it's working down there, I'm curious whatever what other people think about it. I like the idea and discussion. Hmm. I think it's yeah. it's it sort of depends on whether you would be using the pools in addition to the veto, or if you were using let's say three random scenarios from the book mm -hmm. and telling people, okay, these are these are your three for this round, and then and then and veto these ones. Like let's say 
if you get a situation of say assassination plus uh, contest plus uh, Caesar Prize, obviously a lot of people are gonna dislike Caesar Prize, but then other others will go, oh, I I hate contest too. So there's this other one um, which I have to deal with. But like if it if it's something like let's say uh, you get pool number four and you have Galadriel as your as your leader, then you go, okay, well. I'm just not going to play Kings of Champions because that's the only scenario where Galadriel is a bad leader. In all other games, she's she's completely fine. And since I have a balanced army, I don't really mind the other scenarios. Um, I also think I wouldn't necessarily say it will favor Goblin Town. Uh, I would actually say it will favor more extremists than just Goblin Town because you get to cancel out six scenarios that are really bad for you. So I'm not sure it would fix something like Vanquishers or the Ringgrace Legion because you would go, okay, well, out of these three scenarios, my Vanquishers cannot win at this. They can easily win at this other thing, so my opponent is going to veto that. And then the third one is probably something I'm pretty good at anyway. So I'm not sure that really solves the problem unless unless it's one of those uh, situations where you get, again, like three randoms. Um, so then if it's like three, three, three scenarios which are always going to be bad for vanquishers, then, then it's not really much of a choice then because it's, it's either bad or worse or, or even worse. Um, plus, um, I actually personally don't mind playing scenarios where I'm, I'm quite, a, uh, quite, quite unfavored. Um, even though, like, I suppose in my really, really competitive days, I always hated the fact that I might get a really bad scenario, and then I'm going to lose without without even uh, ha- having much of a fight. But then a few weeks ago, I went to a tournament where I was playing against Sauron at 550 points into the death with my uh, Gondor and Fiefdoms list. And um, basically, uh, in, in addition to him having Sauron, he also had a banner, and I didn't. So pretty much whatever happens in the game, I will almost always either draw or lose unless I'm able to kill Sauron. But I still feel like there was there was some play in it and I could have made better better choices throughout the game, which would have maximized my my potential to victory. So personally, I don't really take a specific tournament result as as the be all be all and end all. I would rather just look at individual games and say, okay, well, even though I was probably going to lose, there are there are certain mistakes I made which uh, cost me the game even further. So I don't really necessarily dislike the fact that you're gonna end up with bad scenarios once in a while. I think that's that's just that's just one that's just the thing which makes this game really, really cool in that uh, you do get those really bad situations like like in the books or in the films and you just overcome them. So if it was like a ultra competitive if, if let's say it was it was a thing like Articon where um, people came from all, all over the world and paid a lot of money to come and and they really wanted to win it, then I would say make it as even as um, as on as like the least luck dependent as possible, mm. which is which is something they're already doing in Articon where um, there's for example only only four four tables and they are repeated across across the entire hall, so. So you can only play at four different types of trains. Um, 
But if it was any any other tournaments where let's say you go you go to a tournament once a month or once every couple of months, then I don't really mind having this this variety and 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 this randomness thrown into it. No, yeah, I, I totally get what you're talking about. I think like when it comes to balancing or like making it more even, I think that's when you are talking just solely when it comes to the really competitive events. Because mm-hmm. anything else, like it's a free for all, like you're there to have fun. You know what I mean? You're not going to go to your local tournament with an A tier list and just like smash all these new members at a game. Oh yeah, I would, but then. <laughs> you would, yeah, but you're British. That makes sense. <laughs> Well, no, I'm Polish, actually. I'm well, so. you know, that makes it worse. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm both. I'm both British, Polish. So they they basically uh, cooked up like the worst, like the the most competitive SPG like player. They took Poland and the UK and they created a monster, and you're that monster, Mick. Yeah, I'm, I'm the Hulk. <laughs> you just basically like roll. Sixes yeah, you, after sixes. You only think of one thing, and that's destroying your opponents. Souls yeah. destroying their souls. <laughs> that's what it is. You, you know it's when you like you pull up to a table, and yeah. they set their models out, and you set out like a timer. Okay, so okay. so so on this veto thing. So what about the solution where let's say you get one veto per tournament, rather than See, that's exactly rather than having was... one one per game. That's what I was thinking. You give a one veto to each person in the tournament, and you say you can veto at least one scenario from each pool, or once one scenario from one pool once in the tournament. And that even plays like a whole like cat and mouse game with the competitive players, because then they're gonna like possibly save their vetoes for the for the later tables, save them for this and that. So I think that brings like out a really good keep the scenarios, but also give a little balance and a little spice to life. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd 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 be up for that. I was th- thinking about that. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think I think I think that's 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 supposed to be somewhere where I would start before before going all all into vetoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it would it would be. I don't know. You could really like play with it too, and like oh, like this this round, these people use their vetoes. Like now they have like a different check by their name or something like that. So. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And you could maybe name it something like cool and theme. Like each person gets a plant here. You call it the plant here where you just like take out one of the three scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely adds a nice aspect of strategy to it where it's like, oh, this matchup's pretty bad. Um, but you know, I'm kind of on low tables, so do I really want to use my veto here? Could the matchup be worse later on? Um, that's definitely yeah. an interesting dynamic to that whole thing. And not, um, not just competitive players too. You could get people that just hate a certain scenario. Yeah. yeah. And like they're just they just go to tournament. They're they don't really play to compete, but they just hate a certain scenario, and they can just veto that scenario, and it would make their day. Yeah. So imagine a, a lot of um a lot of people in our group uh, absolutely despise Reconnoiter, and while I don't count myself among oh, uh, I love that it. group. Yeah, I love Reconnoiter as it's well, like but a lot of people hate it. Yeah, and, the, and the, the ability to just say, you know what, Reconnoiter was drawn, I am not going to do that, um, is great. And unfortunately, uh, we've lost Mick uh, here. He was probably uh, stolen by the Rain Gods of London, but um, I guess Rainier and I will just be talking for now. He's turning into super hybrid. He's adding some German to his Polish and British. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Um, no, but I, 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 I get you, Evan. Like, I get you. For me, it's contest of champions. I 
hate that scenario. I don't know if it's like because I don't always like I don't bring big money. Well, I just, mean, you take Dal Dalamir as your leader, so I think I can understand. But even with Soladan or Gothmog or anything, I just everything's too fast. And I want to take my time. I want to go fight off right off the bat. You don't go to like a sparring match and just start like stabbing each other. That's take true. Contest of champions is a fun one because uh, it doesn't matter what, uh, what like 90% of your army does. It's completely down to which hero wins the duel. Like, yeah. I think I've talked about this game before, but I played a game against Devin uh, at uh, 500 points where he had both Gulivar and the Witch King and I had Rangers of Athelion and basically all of his orcs died and it didn't matter because he killed Faramir and uh, he won like 10-2 or something ridiculous like that yeah. and I'm a lot of people complain about how you know you can do everything right and then you can just have a hero that's weak to magic and you just lose or you botch one roll and you lose. So scenarios like that, I think, are inherently uncompetitive just as an overall feel. Sorry, I just got a delivery. One sec. That's okay. Now he's adding some Australian to his hybrid. Mm, yeah. So he's <laughs> At the end back. of this podcast, he's just going to be like a cornucopia abomination thing with like different nationalities spouting out of him yeah someone's in the corner run the numbers wonder yeah he's gonna win Articon. run the numbers so sorry mick we're just telling everybody that you're like adding hyperness but that said yeah i don't i i think the game is fun for so many people in different ways mm -hmm. and i think when it comes to changing something you have to think about not just <coughs> The super competitive players but you got to think about the whole event like let's say that's 30 or 40 people at an event maybe up to 80 think about all what's going to make it fun and that's why in my opinion the one rule again name it something cool like plan to your rule just get rid of one thing that everyone's like just scenario they hate they cannot play that mm -hmm. that's 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 my fix right there um will it have holes most likely because then like certain armies competitive players can play really well but i don't know that's i might actually implement that once i run hmm. so actually picking up on on what you just said a moment ago uh rainier you said contest of champions it just ends too quickly for you right so um <laughs> on the same tournament where i was playing against Sauron to the death um another round it was actually the final round of the tournament um i got drawn in command the battlefield against the ring race Leg legendary legion so that's a scenario where I think the ring rates would probably veto it if they could, because mm -hmm. there, there were only like five or six of them against my whole army. Um, but at the same time, the game ended about 15 minutes into it, and we, and we both went home. And I was actually fine with that. So, and um, my, my, my opponent apologized for, for finishing so quickly, but essentially he said, well, um, that, well, this is, this, is, this is how this Legion works. And... Um, in a way, to me, it's something where if this is how the Legion is designed and it's, and it's part of the game, then I don't really mind the fact that the game might end in 10 or 15 minutes. But then there are people out there who would rather play the entire like two-hour two round and then end it. 
So I was just wondering what your thoughts were on that, because that's that, that, that's not a uh, quite a controversial subject with 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 things like these two specific legions, and which also kind of give you the idea that maybe the veto should be implemented in some way. Yeah, I, I think that goes back to discussion we've had in previous episodes, which runs down to just this. Sometimes what's fun for you is not fun for the other person. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so I, and, I, I think... And I think sometimes what's optimal in that scenario is not fun for either person. Yeah. Mm. So I think I think it's a good thing to bring up, and it does depend. Because if you do bring, like, six ring race, like, you're there, just have a fast-paced game. Like, you're, that's what you're there for. Yeah. And we can't, I guess, point the finger at those who bring Sauron to contest of champions and it's drawn you know what i mean we can't really point the fingers at those who just bring goblin town and they draw something that favors goblin town or lords of battle and they have all hero lists like it's 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 not their fault and we shouldn't really be saying stop that let's balance it to where we're having more fun because yeah you bring it up well and like typically those lists aren't really played by super competitive like i need to win this tournament also so i don't know it's something to think about because mm, it's because it's like one of those situations where uh, it used to happen where let's say you blew up your whole army with with the legendary legion with the with the ballistas and 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 the bombs and you went okay well I can't win this scenario so let's draw it on turn one in five minutes I'm just gonna blow mm-hmm. up my whole army instead instead there is there is a bit of play and 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 and, and a bit of figuring out how things work but like my my, my opponent was apologizing to me for for doing what he did and I was like. Why? Why are you apologizing? Like this yeah. is this this is how the game works. This is this is how this army plays. So I don't think you should fault the player. At the same time, I think it's quite nice that an army like this exists. Maybe I get that. I get that. Yeah. M- maybe not necessarily. Um, if let's say if a lot of people are complaining about about something like vanquishers, maybe there is something too powerful in certain scenarios, but. Um, I generally think if an army has been designed that ends the game in 20 minutes, then it's equivalent to ending a game in two hours. It's just chances are after after those two hours, something's going to come down to like a, a, a single or a, a single dice off. Or also yeah, the, the 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 other question is if let's say uh, if we actually end up playing out for two hours, then and then at the end he decided to pop all of his ring raids. Then how how does that differ from popping them after ten minutes? Essentially, um, the the result is the same except we move toys for for like additional hundred minutes. Yeah, it it fascinates me how this has become such a mainstream topic of discussion recently, um, with uh, just being able to kill your entire army at any point of the game and end the game when you want it. When Ed Ball was doing this like ten years ago. And I didn't see much discussion on that. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's just the creation of the Ringwraith Legendary Legion almost promoting that sort of thing, where it's almost like they created this cookie-cutter thing to be able to do that with. But, I mean, being able to kill your entire army and then end the game on the spot is not a new thing. Um, and... Obviously, people have made 
posts um, talking about how, uh, you know, some scenarios, uh, ring wraiths have like a formula to be able to win most of the time, um, which uh, I, I don't know if I agree with that. Um, but I personally don't have a problem with ring wraiths killing themselves. I also didn't have a problem with uh, Isengard armies blowing themselves up, but I know people do. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, specifically for that legendary legion, um, they'll make some sort of change to stop the ring wraiths from killing themselves. Though yeah, I question it, it, how they would implement that though, because if, if worse comes to worse, you can drain yourself down to one will like how would you would you just say you can't spend your last will with the ring rates like i don't know yeah yeah that would have to be a a, a change in the yeah. in uh in the main rules you can't spend your final point of will if if that will kill you or something like that yeah and are are, are the ring rates really like dominating events no I don't, I'm, I'm not sure it's i'm not sure it's necessarily about dominating events it's more about the whole uh, negative play experience. play experience yeah which yeah, which 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 is also probably the reason why why some people want to implement vetoes because you want to veto the game which will be a negative play experience for 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 at least one of you for 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 uh, uh well at least for yourself because if you're if you if you're playing with ring graves then chances are you enjoy this sort of stuff so it's only it's only your opponent who might not enjoy it mm-hmm. um like in the same way, if you if Articon two hundred people suddenly go oh, when heirlooms <laughs> yeah. comes comes around, then I think everybody would would just use a veto on game one. Yeah, unless... at least <laughs> at least somebody should be having fun for a rule to be considered uh, competitive. Because uh, I don't think uh, when everybody groans at a particular scenario, that scenario should exist at all. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I get, yeah, but I then imagine that. a situation where let's say both players want to veto uh heirlooms, and then you go, Okay, well, I want to veto it, you want to veto it, but like we each have a veto, so which one of us should do it? Do you roll a die? Well, I think you... I think what you would do is you'd you'd roll off and then one person does their veto first, and then the next person does their veto. I think you'd have to do an order to the veto system. Um, yeah, the Australian article said they do it evil vetoes and then good or good good they they, they alternate back and forth like mm. that. But I, I don't and I don't heroic moves. It would be cool though to be like everyone's size and you gotta be like, okay, like when do you have to do it? And then like write down like on a paper like you used to do with uh fog of war. Oh yeah. Yes, yes, yes or no, or write down on a piece of paper whether you're gonna veto. So, like for example, uh, just to make it even, have okay. Here are the three scenarios. Write down no from not vetoing anything or the scenario. And if you both write down the same scenario, you flip. You both lose your yeah. What if That'd if actually go a bit further and like if if both players veto, then then the scenario stays the same. Ooh. Mm. Do they keep their veto though? No. You basically, <laughs> you basically get to expand your veto, and if both you of you in spice here, yeah, they, yeah. they draw. Oh, and Rainier's oh, gone. And Rainier's, um, yeah. yeah, I'm just imagining now, like 
they draw Lords of Battle and then Goblin Town throws their veto down. And then the other person's <laughs> like, nope, we're not doing that. We're doing Lords of Battle. Well, no, but then you would have to, at the beginning of every, uh, of every round, you would go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my dice down or I'm going to write it down somewhere. And then you reveal simultaneously and then see whether, whether both players have vetoed That would it. be an interesting game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that way... Yeah, you might go, okay, I want to veto Lord's Battle, but then the other person can expect you to veto it as well. So they'll try to level you and both of both of them use the veto and then it's gone. Or even there's a situation where you don't know that your opponent has already used the veto. And then let's say Lord, Lords of Battle comes up for goblins and you think, okay, well, my opponent is definitely going to veto this, so I'm going to veto it. Mm. And then... You accidentally veto it for them because they've already used theirs. So there's so many possibilities. Mind games, yes. Uh, yeah, I feel like the whole veto system um, almost is like putting a band-aid over an infected wound um, to make a very strong um, analogy there because it sort of covers up some of the... Uh, some of the problems inherent with our scenario system, which is our extreme scenarios, but it doesn't really fix the problem. Um, and it's, well, it kind of does. And we've already talked about why it also kind of doesn't. Um, but I think probably the simplest change, um, if you're a TO and you really don't like those scenarios and you don't want them to be played and you don't, um, and you sort of want to make the scenarios more balanced is you unfortunately create your own scenarios, um, which obviously you're not going to be able to do if like you've got a big tournament and you're sponsored by GW and whatever, but at a smaller tournament, I'd say uh, if you want to create your own scenarios and you feel like the, uh, the scenarios in the rules pack uh, aren't doing it for you, then uh, go ahead. I think that's definitely one way to go you don't always have to you know implement a veto system just to get around the old scenarios you can just create new ones and i think there are some decent examples um that have already been created um i've never really gone looking for them but i'm sure they're out there like people have created custom scenarios um you can always just like modify an existing scenario to uh, fit your needs like uh, towards the beginning of the episode, one of the poll options was make seize the prize with three prizes. So you don't just grab one prize, run it off the board, and you win. That seems like a perfectly good, not necessarily a fix, but an improvement to a scenario. So if you're not sponsored by GW, why not implement that? Yeah, there's actually uh, the final of um, GBHL this year. And in fact, um, a uh, uh, scouring of, of Stirlingshire, which is the the tournament which is held in Scotland every year. Um, there is basically these guys play a scenario where they've modified heirlooms of ages past, and I just pulled it up. Basically, um, this uh, it says here in the rules pack the scenario is as printed, but the following two victory point modifications have been implemented. So. You scored five VPs if your force is in possession of the relic at the end of the game instead of six as per, as per the standard scenario. 
And if the enemy force is broken and your force is unbroken, you score three victory points instead of two as per the standard scenario. And additionally, to achieve a major victory, you must have more victory points on your opponent and be in possession of the relic at the end of the game. So you can actually just make slight modifications to make the scenarios um, more balanced in a sense. Because like uh, in the original heirlooms, if you're holding the, the, the relic, you score six points, um, which I believe it, uh, is the case that you can't actually lose if you're holding it. Yeah, so I don't know if you remember, I think it was one of the first Articons, Mick. Mm -hmm. um, the heirloom scenario, actually, the heirloom gave you seven points. Right. Um, and then James actually modified it for Articon mm -hmm. to what it is now, which is the heirloom gives you six points. The purpose of that is if your opponent has the heirloom, you can still draw. Right. And the purpose of that change that uh, was it the Scottish players made yeah. um, was to make it so if your opponent has the heirloom uh, and you uh, don't have a banner, you can still draw. And if you do have a banner, you can still win. Yeah, so ba basically, it of... it, if your opponent got lucky and found it and then put it in a corner and it's really good at protecting it with bodyguards or whatever else, and you're just never going to get to it. Or they've got it on Gua here and he's just running yeah. around the board. Yeah, then if you do everything correctly, then you can still win it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, so it's just like a and minor I, I modification, yeah. which is which is essentially just drop one point here, add one point here, and suddenly it just turns it from unwinnable game to, oh yeah, I can actually win it if I play, if I, if I, if I do things right. Yeah, and I've, I've even seen those like slight modifications, even like not when it comes to winning and unwinning, but just like preference. Like I've seen groups in the States change Mailstorm to where you alternate warbands between mm -hmm. opponents. Like that, that, could, that, yeah, we could go down a rabbit hole with that one, but that's not necessarily a good yeah. change. I mean, I mean, the, but there's the, like, the, there's the, like the, different ways you can like alternate all the scenarios for whatever, like to like whatever you whatever you fancy, like in your region mm -hmm. or group, especially something like Stirlingshire, because it's like that's a Scottish event. Like mm -hmm. they probably discussed with the, the Scots probably discussed this is a problem that we're coming across. Let's fix it in this way. Mm -hmm. Like each region probably has their own different thing that's a problem maybe hordes dominate here how are we can like maybe like this legendary legion makes it not fun how are we can fix that so 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 the stuff. thing is like the the sterling share one um i played there in 2019 last time and uh i think it's been going on for, for quite some time where um they always they always have the heirloom scenario but it's always modified interesting so, i like it yeah, and just sort of a, a caveat for people who are trying to create or modify their own scenarios. Playtest the scenarios multiple times and do so with different armies just to make sure that you aren't making it worse than mm -hmm. uh, it is already. Especially that Maelstrom modification I've seen before. Um, and as I said before, it's not necessarily a good thing because it can end up having armies just pile up on top of each other and just create a very weird dynamic and sort of unbalanced in a way, um, which isn't necessarily better uh, than the alternative. So just make sure that um, the scenario plays the way you want it to play uh, when you make it. Also, technically, if you alternate warbands, you're actually 
breaking the way the game is designed yeah in the because, move phase because technically because, because it's you supposed go, to be priority play, yeah 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 because you go player a move phase then player b finishes the move phase then player a goes with one warband in, in another move phase then player b goes with one of warband another move phase like you, you like you're sort of creating like six move phases before you go to the shooting phase mm. which could then lead to some other issues there yes it's a good point, and I think that's why a lot of people are standing away from just creating scenarios by themselves. Because I think we do see holes in a lot of scenarios, but mm. they've put a lot of time and effort. Oh in yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, they're, I, I they're still, really difficult to make. Oh yeah, for sure. And they're probably more balanced than anything I could definitely come up yeah. with. But but there are still like I mean, it's a global game, and you have different metas and like the diversity of the armies and the legion and stuff. There are can be situations where people are like actually like i want to change this and that or tweak it a little bit balance it. i like using the word balance it sounds diplomatic <laughs> i like i like to use the word keep the equ equilibrium going mm. equilibrium <laughs> See, I like equilibrium. Sure equity across the board <laughs> <Between> the <bosses. laughs> oh gosh no, but yeah, yeah, it does. And like back to the veto system, though. Hmm. Do you guys, now that we've discussed it, think it is necessary in any in, in any substance? I actually think I wouldn't mind playing tournaments with one veto per per player per tournament. Um, but I think too many. If 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 it's ever round, then you just build a list and you go, okay, well, my list will never play these six scenarios. And so I'm just going to build the list for the other ones. Yeah. And at the same time, I know that probably it's not going to play the ones that it excels at. So mm -hmm. essentially, let's just build a list for like 10 scenarios instead of all 18. Then veto six, six bad ones. And then hope uh, everything aligns otherwise. Yeah, Which actually, each, pool, I will, each pool does I will, have like a wild card that's going to just mess you up. Yeah. And if you had the ability to like not play that wild card. Yeah. Like it's Yeah, so, so I yeah, think I will, a I will full say veto system that... will actually lead to more extreme lists. But mm. yeah, sorry, sorry, Evan. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that um uh having one veto would uh create a massive spike in uh Galadriel's uh <laughs> because she's no longer gonna be playing contest of champions. So well I guess that would be a good thing. And she's um, not even that bad at Guns of Champions. No, she's not. Uh, as long as you have another killer to do the damage, yeah, you just have to be able to transfix them turn one because otherwise uh, problems will ensue. Yeah, um, it's, it's something to consider. I, I'd probably consider. Oh, and you might actually see Denethor's too. Oh yeah, I love mm. Denethor. It's great. I mean, would he be good? Probably not, but he would exist, which would be nice. I think you'd see larger armies, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to Denthor, too. Like, he can lead a whole bunch, and he's, like, mm -hmm. really cheap. Like, here comes Gondorian spam down. Like, well, you, you say you'd see larger armies, but then uh, in pool such as um, the... Which one? Oh, yeah, the, the, the Maelstrom pool. Uh, like, if, if, if both players want to get rid of heirlooms, then tiny army will will much prefer hold ground 
bigger army will prefer command the battlefield. So then if you're the tiny army, you go, okay, I'm just going to remove the uh, command the battlefield. And then you get to pick whether we play the scenario we both hate or we play the scenario that favors me. Hmm. To be fair, I if, I, if I were playing a horde, I would be uh, perfectly happy with uh, Heirlooms of Ages Past. Yeah. My opponent probably wouldn't, but I would. <laughs> but, but I think that that goes back to the whole, like, maybe one veto per tournament. Yeah. And, like, it still does not guarantee you. So, like, let's say you use your veto on Heirlooms. You guys are still rolling hold ground or command the battlefield one two three hold ground four yeah five, well six. as long as as long as the same the same the same pool remains rather than mm -hmm. uh you veto and then you just roll a brand new scenario yeah for sure for sure yeah i mean i'm curious what our viewers think about this and stuff and like what your region does because i know we're talking about it. it's like an australian meta they asked it but i'm curious like what German players, American players, British players, like Polish players, think about it. Yeah, etc. Well, yeah. Leave, leave us some comments. We'd love yeah, to and, hear and your if opinions. You're, if you're an Australian player, um, like tell tell us how your meta has changed or maybe not changed, um, due to that because obviously we have no experience with this sort of system over here, so. Did you get larger armies when you took that veto system? Um, or did nothing really change? We'd like to know. Yeah. And like vote, would you rather have no veto, Aussie veto, or one veto per tournament and call it uh, Plantier? <laughs> I would just call it Plantier. Heck yeah. Do the Plantier rule. You have like a whole bunch of, uh, could you imagine the beauty of it? Like you have like 100 nerds in one room. Just like, and you say like, oh, like Billy used his plant here, like Kyle used his plant here, like here we go, and you have like a little Excel sheet, and you've got to shout like Palantir across the room whenever you use it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be hilarious. You can you can always go. Ooh, I don't know who else can be watching. <laughs> exactly you have the one guy in the corner all paranoid like denethor he's like i've been seeing stuff i've been seeing stuff like like you don't know the power of the east like calm down bro <laughs> all right well with that in mind uh leave us some comments um tell us what you think and tell us that we're wrong or that we're right and yeah we will see you in the next one and happy new year's everybody until until next time. Oh yeah, Rainier is gone already. So yeah, Rainier <laughs> is just uh, frozen in time and space. But uh, I can say goodbye. All right. Thanks for listening. Take care.